Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Dr. Geneva Speaks. Thank you for tuning in to Dr. Geneva Speaks, where you'll hear amazing leaders from across the nation and around the world. Your host, Dr. Geneva Williams, a cutting-edge, transformational leadership coach, hopes and believes this show will enlighten, entertain, and inspire you to make a difference in the world. So listen up. As Dr. Geneva speaks. Good day, good day, good afternoon. I am not Dr. Geneva. Dr. Geneva is out today. I am Pam Perry, but she will be returning with us next week. But we have a great show lined up for you today. We have Lowell Perry Jr. on the show today, talking today about social profit, what it is and how to use it to help communities. Lowell Perry Jr. believes social profit organizations is a term that can better capture the contribution made by entities that have too long been known as charities or non-profit groups. According to the Chronicle of Philanthropy, such a term would also give us a new way to name the people who support the organizations that promote the public good. Social investors a term that better reflects this generation of hands-on donors who are willing and able to extend this nation's great tradition of American generosity. Today, social investors seek and expect a return on their efforts in the form of an increase in the greater good. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about Lowell Perry. He's an innovative executive leader with a unique business background, including a proven track record of success in team building, fund development, strategic alliances, general management, government relations, as well as significant expertise in diversity and inclusion as a viable growth strategy. Currently, he is the director of the Cleveland Central Promise Neighborhood. He has developed a reputation as a visionary business thought leader and created the Strategic Corporate and Community Engagement Department while with Big Brothers and Big Sisters of America to connect individual resources and opportunities for local board member recruitment of corporate employees of color. He's provided contract consultant leadership to Family Wellness of Dallas as Executive Director after serving as Big Brothers Big Sisters Chief Diversity Officer Senior VP, Corporate and Community Engagement. Prior to that, Perry was CEO of Big Brothers Big Sisters of Middle Tennessee that led the agency from 300 kids served in 2005 to set records of 2,812 kids served on an unrestricted, those in the, the profit, the social profit, nonprofit world, unrestricted revenue of nearly $3 million in 2010. So for more about Lowell Perry, I only read just a glimpse of his background. He is also a Yale graduate, um, business uh, school, and also from Detroit. 
So if you, you, you are looking for a connection to Detroit, Lowell Perry is from Detroit. You may recognize the name Lowell Perry Sr., which is um, a, a person that is from Detroit as well, and that is his dad. But you can go to about.me forward slash Lowell Perry Jr. and find out more about Lowell Perry. So with that, Lowell, I just welcome you to Dr. Geneva's Speak Show tonight. Thank you for joining us. Pam, you know, it's a real, real pleasure. I uh, I appreciate the kind words and the applause, and uh, I got to take you on the road with me. That was a great introduction. I appreciate it. Uh, I I appreciate you teeing up the idea of a social profit versus a a nonprofit, uh, which has been something that I've kind of landed on as, you know, it's part of my own personal ministry, really. I mean, I've you know, my background had been more on the for-profit side of things, ran a manufacturing company, had my own consulting business for a number of years. And uh, when I was looking for something to, to create a more meaningful life for myself, uh, I happened mm-hmm. on this sector with Big Brothers Big Sisters in Nashville as the CEO of mm-hmm. a regional agency there. And that began this journey in, in trying to, to help uh, children and families facing adversity. Obviously, uh, most of them look like you and I. Uh, mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's uh, that, that commonality there. But, you know, it, it, just looking at how the sector had operated, how uh, it had been birthed, you know, uh, several hundred years ago, and how little has changed in terms of, you know, a small percentage of uh, of people controlling the wealth in this country giving just enough money uh, to organizations, whether it's Big Brothers, Big Sisters, Boys and Girls Club, or anybody else, uh, really just uh, enough money to keep them in business each, each year and have them chasing right. after, after money to stay in business. And, 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 and because of that, you know, more in the Band-Aid business rather than in the solutions business. And, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I find that unacceptable because at stake are the lives of young people. You know, so mm-hmm. that kind of tees up my uh, my whole thought for the day. You know, I was uh, real excited about uh, being able to share uh, some some thoughts and some ideas around uh, the idea of collective impact and collaboration uh, as as a means to achieve certain things in this sector. I like something that you wrote, Lowell. It was on promise is a social profit. So uh, make no mistake, Promise is a nonprofit business. Non can bring a negative connotation, so you prefer the term social profit as there is a return on investment involved in the work of these organizations focused on solutions for challenges facing society. So kind of talk a little bit about where the term social profit is because you talk about all members of society are shareholders of these mm-hmm. social profits. So kind of dig deep a little bit into where that came from and how you actually right. apply it to what you do now. Right. Well, you know, I, I wish I could say I coined that phrase, but but you're right. I, I read it in an article uh, years ago in the Chronicle of Philanthropy and uh, adopted that that term because it more closely aligned with with my thought around it and, and, a, and a different kind of approach, you know, rather than the stereotype 
of the so-called nonprofit that's struggling and somebody walking around an executive director with a tin cup begging for money like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, they're there uh, as some kind of a pest. You know, people ought to be happy when someone walks in their office talking about doing something that's going to enhance the community, uh, that's going to, to make sure that, you know, years from now, particularly as the demographics continue to change in this country, that we're going to have a well-educated and well-trained workforce if we invest in them. And so as altruistic as some people may be, at the end of the day, we all still want to know what's in it for me. What's my return on investment? Right. So using that term social profit, uh, tends to change the mindset of an organization to where they're starting to think about when I go out and and I'm cultivating relationships and, and asking for investment uh, in my organization to go out and do the good work that's being done in these, these communities, I have to think in terms of what is the return on investment? What is the the, the hook, if you will, that's going to get um, you know, whether it's a, a key bank, for instance, or, you know, somebody like that, a corporate partner, Ford Motor Company, to invest some money in, in, in what my organization is, is doing and to be able to demonstrate here's the return on that investment. Here's what happens if you don't invest. You know, what's the economic mm-hmm. impact? You know, we're in a society wow. now where, where people care about the economy and, you know, and, and people need to look at uh, a social profit as a small business. I mean, we create jobs. Uh, when mm-hmm. I was at Big Brothers Big Sisters in Middle Tennessee, when I first started there, we had 16, 18 uh, people working, and within five years, we were almost to 60. You know, so wow. you know, we're contr- yeah. we contribute to the economy, but people don't necessarily look at it that way. And you know, so we have to change the mindset, even among. Uh, people within the sector with, you know, especially board members and executive leaders and that kind of thing, sometimes are, are caught in, in the past. And, you know, mm-hmm. this idea that, that somehow uh, because I'm a so-called nonprofit, I should be struggling. I shouldn't be paying people well. I shouldn't be providing health care and all those other kinds mm-hmm. of things. And so consequently, you attract people um, uh, to the, 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 the sector, yeah, yeah, and you get what you pay for. Now, you know, mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. never will you know will will a big brothers, big sisters, or the YMCA or that kind of thing ever be mistaken for Chrysler or you know uh, you know one of the Google. the larger for profit <laughs> entities. However, we should be thinking about attracting some of the best and the brightest there as a career and not as something that I'm going to do after I go out and do my thing and make all kinds of money. Now I somehow want to also do uh, something good, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, mm-hmm. and um, you know, we need to be doing more things in the schools and, you know, at places like Yale and others developing leaders that are, are dealing with social issues that really impact all of us at the end of the day and trying to come up with viable solutions that that actually create transformational change in communities. You know, and, and instead we focus on the transactional. You know, what what can can I do, you know, if I can, you know, leave a bag of clothes out on the front porch for Ark to come pick up and my mm-hmm. social responsibility duty is done for a while until I get another phone call a few months from now, or if I go volunteer for a, a, a day. But what am I really doing in um, uh, my community? How can 
we get more people to rally around solutions-oriented activities that are going to really change what's happening on the landscape. Mm-hmm. We're listening to uh, Lowell Perry Jr. You're on the Dr. Geneva Speak Show. I am your substitute host today, Pam Perry, and we're talking about social profit. And uh, Lowell uh, wrote something here talking about his uh, organization, Cleveland Central Promise. It says, Promise is about ensuring adequate, adequate work is being done upstream to prevent costlier downriver cleanup. Explain that. You said a former client <laughs> said that, Harvell Hendricks said yeah. that, that yeah, uh, yeah, especially yeah. that downriver cleanup being from Michigan. It's like, explain what that really means. Yeah, right, right, right. No, I mean, it, mm-hmm. yeah, Harvell, Harvell uh, was fond of saying that in a lot of his, his presentations with couples, you know. And, mm-hmm. um, and, I, and I think that holds true uh, for, for what we're trying to do. For instance, you know, with, with Promise, Promise is a, a collective impact model inspired by the Harlem Children's Zone and, and Jeffrey Canada and some of the success that they've had there in bringing resources together and, and not only uh, a, a lot of things going on all at once, but bringing the, the, the proper alignment together around a common set of goals and objectives, shared achievement measurements with a, a common customer, if you will, kids. Mm. I maintain okay. that if in this country, you know, and it and it's, it's a whole nother show talking about the divisiveness going on in this country mm-hmm. right now, because, you know, along ideological lines and political lines, I think that one of the things that might help mend some of that discussion is to talk about it in terms of kids. And yeah. you know that that's that's been one of the things that, that that's driving ours, and, and that's why I said it was it was timely to have this conversation because we're going through the process now of kind of resetting uh, the expectations and and what it means to be part of a collective model. I mean, we our whole thing with uh, Promise is around a cradle to career pipeline, and mm. you know that every child instead has of, access instead of prison instead of exactly. what they call it from. Mm-hmm. Prison yeah, pipeline. Prison, you got a prison, cradle prison to pipeline. career. Yeah. Cradle mm-hmm. to career mm-hmm. pipeline, and and so you know, like and there's five five real broad areas around there. One uh, along every child having access to and taking advantage of early learning opportunities. Um, mm-hmm. uh, every child has access to quality K through 12 education. That mm-hmm. residents in these communities lead the change. That parents are supported in order to 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 give uh, that that uh, the support to their their young people that are, are navigating their way through this ecosystem through this pipeline, and that the community is safe and a positive type of and again I'll use the term uh, ecosystem because you know there are a lot of things going on all at once as these kids are navigating through this pipeline. You know if you imagine you know going to Cedar Point or down to Disney World and getting on Space Mountain and that kind of thing and you know we're trying to get kids moving through this this pipeline. You know jobs are an issue for people, health, nutrition, mm-hmm. safety, nutrition. education mm-hmm. and and so that requires partners to figure out how they best fit into the pipeline to contribute to how that pipeline functions. So obviously the school district, you know, what are they doing to ensure that instead of to the schools that are struggling the most, why is it that historically in the areas that struggle most, we send uh, the youngest 
teachers with the least amount of experience, you know, a lot of Teach for America teachers and nothing wrong with, with, with Teach for America and that kind of thing. But, mm. you know, if you're putting together, you know, uh, we're putting together a team to go compete in the Olympics, you know, we, we go and get our, our yeah. best and, and, and brightest to, to be involved that. in that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Exactly. You know, mm-hmm. you have to have a, a good mix of veterans and, and, and passionate young people. I mean, so that's that's mm-hmm. what we're looking at and seeing how each of these partners fit into it in a results-based accountability model where we hold each other accountable. Promise, and the whole thing is promise, but, uh, you know, our organization is really kind of like that you know, the, the people in the control booth that are monitoring the ride and making sure that it's functioning everywhere and if something's going wrong in one place, getting the resources there uh, that are needed, having the collective conversation. But really that key point is those residents, you know, are they at the forefront? Mm-hmm. I mean, we've got a group that we call ambassadors, and they go through leadership training. They live in the community, oh. they're leaders in the community, and so trying to give them uh, some tools. And, you know, mm-hmm. one of the, the, the things that have happened organically is, is some of these individuals uh, have, have gotten inspired with their work for these children. Uh, and have gone back to school and gotten their associate's degree. Some have gone wow. on and, and gotten employment. You know, they're, they're, they're working in, in other places because everyone is putting people first. And, you mm-hmm. know, Pam, I, I, I um, you know, I, one of the things that, that, that bothers me is when I look at some of the issues of our day right now, the civil rights issues of our day, and how we tend to, to focus on the surface level things like, you know, I, I've been, been reading about and, and watching all the information uh, on what's going on in Flint, you know, with the, the water, for instance. And I know there's a mm-hmm, big, mm-hmm. Um, you know, mm-hmm. uh, a demonstration being planned and, and folks are talking about whether or not the governor should go to jail and, and all like that. When mm-hmm. what somebody ought to be taking the lead on and ought to be talking about is not about whether the governor is going to go to jail, but how come we aren't out voting in these elections to make sure that people like that don't get into office? And, mm-hmm. you know, and, mm-hmm. and that's one of the areas that's part of this ecosystem is, is getting people to understand the idea and the importance of civic engagement because it's policies that are going to help drive some of these solutions. If you aren't working on the policy side of things, you're going to have a more difficult time getting, uh, getting some of the systemic change that's necessary to have transformation um, uh, in, in a community. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, an, an, another, another example, you know, look, I, I get Black Lives Matter. You know, I, I, I get that anger. I get that frustration. It sickens me every time I hear about, you know, somebody that be, could be one of my sons uh, mm-hmm. getting gunned down in, in the street in, in one of these uh, uh, cases of, you know, somebody out of control. But think about this. Black minds matter more because there are thousands of young kids, particularly young boys, who are being killed slowly every day because they aren't reading at grade level. And starting in third grade, if they aren't up to par, you know, we're instead of trying to figure out how we can help these young people, you know, we're trying to figure out how many more prison cells we ought to build. And there are people that are making money out, out of the prison industry. 
and we've got kids that are, are, are graduating from eighth grade going into ninth grade. In ninth grade, they're taking sixth and seventh grade courses. And then when they come out of high school, you know, I'm like the high school we have uh, in, in Cleveland, they have an average ACT score of 14 right now, which is not going to get you anywhere. Mm. And so mm-hmm. now you spend, mm-hmm. spend some time and money taking remedial courses that don't, don't count toward a degree, that don't qualify for scholarship assistance, and you know, and, and many of these young folks don't have the money, so they have to postpone going that direction and maybe get you know uh, detoured uh, along the way. So why aren't we demonstrating in the street and complaining about the fact that too many of our kids can't read? Why aren't mm-hmm. we doing something mm-hmm. about that? Where is that same level of righteous indignation? That breaks my mm-hmm. heart. You know, to mm-hmm. see mm-hmm. these young people that could very easily be be my son, you know, your daughter, you know, that that kind of thing, that are being killed off systematically. And you know, again, that's another show. There's some that believe that this is by design, you know, and and that's mm-hmm. the reason that mm-hmm. nothing gets done about it. And the only way that it does is if the people finally rise up and say, enough is enough. We're going to educate and that's what leaders. Sure. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, say mm-hmm. what you're saying. And that's what leaders. That's what leaders are for. That is what leaders should do, and that's it, what leaders are really called to do. It's influence. Absolutely. They have to influence, that, just like you said. The promise um, has their ambassador, where they have the academy, where they're training leaders, and those leaders then influence other people. It's kind of like that old uh, uh, commercial where it said, and so on, and so on, and so on, where they're just like you know, down the chain, really just influencing yeah. others. So leaders right. start somewhere, and, and that right. is really like the main the main thing. It's like what when will people, you know, call it a movement, but somebody has to start yeah. the movement and then right. and allow someone to lead the movement to, like you said, where you, the, the promise where you are and the, the Cleveland Central promise, where you're like the person that's not really running the ride, but you're making sure that every piece is working, or if a piece is not right. working, then you go and get the resources to make sure that right. it continues. And that right. is true leadership because you're not trying to get all the shine. You know, right. you're trying to just making sure that the solution is, is being addressed. And that is what a true leader does. They do that at the core, just making sure that it is addressed. That is absolutely right. And that is one of the most difficult parts of collaboration, of a collective impact model, because too many of us have wanted to collaborate, sometimes by necessity, to go out and try to get a grant just to bring money Mm -hmm. in-house to stay open, you know, rather Mm -hmm. than rallying around a cause and and again let's say yeah. that it is about the kids and and if and if people truly look at it as a team and everybody is passionate about the piece that they own and they own and are, and are going to hold <laughs> themselves and their friends accountable and and you have to have a, a strong shared data system where everybody agrees on what those are and and those metrics are not about finger pointing they're about putting a flashlight on the inside of that pipeline to make sure that, that, that those children are moving through there and we're doing everything that we have to do because of those kids. And it doesn't matter about who it is. It doesn't matter about Lowell Perry. It doesn't matter about promise. It doesn't matter about, you know, X, Y, Z over here. It only matters about these kids. I mean, look, you, you know this as well as I do. We stand on the shoulders of others who sacrificed for us. 
you know, our parents' mm-hmm. generation, mm-hmm. the people that came before mm-hmm. them. I mean, you know, the the the, the fact that we, we want to get out there and, and, and yell at the moon about, about a lot of things and, and, and scream and holler mm-hmm. and, and won't get out there and do the same thing for the fact that our kids are being killed slowly every day. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, like Martin Luther King said, look, I, you know, I may not get there with you, but one day we as a people will see the promised land. We have to be willing mm-hmm. to offer our shoulders up for the next generation. I do what I do for my kids, my granddaughter, Olivia, my, my first grandchild. I mean, I do mm-hmm. that for, for my kids, for, for, for those that are listening here today. And I challenge those that do hear this, to do something about it. I mean, number one, just getting people to vote, and not just in a presidential election. This is important more more than ever before, but local elections, you know, local elections, Mm -hmm. state elections. And look, I'm not on here to make any kind of a political commentary, but using this as an example. I mean, people like a Ted Cruz don't just go from being a lawyer to being a U.S. senator. You know, they probably mm-hmm. go through, they most go through Somebody the, the state state government, local government, they were mayor or that kind of thing. And if we weren't voting in those things, and those elections take an awful lot less votes, and if, and if we actually mm-hmm. got out and voted, I mean, when you think about if only 30% of the eligible electorate goes out there uh, and votes in a good year, mm-hmm. All right. Think about mm-hmm. that. And people have died for us to have the right to vote. If only 30 percent go out there and somebody wins half of that number, that means somebody with 15 percent of the eligible electorate in a city has made a decision for the other 85 percent. And so if we haven't done anything about it, there's nothing that we can complain about. And the only way that it's going to change, the only way that things are going to be different in our cities and that our kids are going to get the kind of education they deserve, they're going to get the kind of health care and that kind of thing that they deserve is if we rise up and we get people out there that they vote and they take advantage of those things because we can control that. There's some things we can't control, but that's the first step in being able to affect some change at the policy level. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's not yeah, it's not going to change tomorrow. But we have to be thinking three years from now, I, five years from now. I like, mm-hmm. I like how you wrote about um, how you had the pleasure of meeting like uh, former uh, Congressman Louis Stokes. Now that you're in mm-hmm. Ohio now, and you talked yeah. about um, Louis Stokes and Carl Stokes and how they were such groundbreaking leaders. And yeah. um, kind of talk a little bit about their, you know, a lot of people may not know Louis Stokes or Carl Stokes yeah. or their, their stories, but yeah. kind of give, you know, those are the, I guess you would say, those are the, they broke the mold <laughs> kind of people. Yeah. One was the well, Congress, well, mm-hmm. well, you and know, one was and, the first, first African-American yeah, yeah. Um, to be a mayor of a U.S. city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Carl Stokes. And then, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Louis Stokes was uh, an, an iconic congressman mm-hmm. uh, for many mm-hmm. years. And both of these young men, uh, you know, they hailed from uh, a, a housing product project that's called Outhwaite in, in the Cleveland right. area. And so, I mean, mm-hmm. there's a great museum. If anybody ever visits uh, Cleveland, it's a great city, actually. Um, uh, but there's a museum uh, dedicated to former Congressman Stokes, whose uh, son, uh, Chuck, uh, is a you know, right. local uh, a television personality. Yeah, mm-hmm. news guy up mm-hmm. there and all, and looks mm-hmm. just like his, his dad. I had the pleasure of meeting him, but he um, exemplifies, and, and more young people need to yeah. know about you know, people like him. 
And, mm-hmm. you know, we know about the, 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 the so-called A-listers, Martin Luther King and Thurgood right. Marshall and, you know, and that kind of thing. Uh, but there are others that were in the trenches, you know, like my father, mm-hmm. Lowell Perry Sr., yep. you know, the, the mm-hmm. things that he did mm-hmm. for people. And he did it without thought Behind of what scene. he would get in return. Mm-hmm. And that's what mm-hmm. we have to be that's able to get. We, we have mm-hmm. to be willing to be that kind of a leader that's not going to be there to take all the credit, that's going to clap and say, yay, team. We won, and that's all mm-hmm. that should matter. Mm-hmm. You know, not I mm-hmm. scored all these points because what happens there is that you know you can score forty points and still lose the game, and what have you actually gained? You know, <laughs> that's so true. so, so that's we true. have to change our mindset. You know, and it, and it's it, it is again, it's no easy task when you have a, a group full of, of of egos, but also you have people that are caught in a in an unsustainable. Um, uh, business model that is the so-called nonprofit sector, where essentially, you know, it's almost a form of, uh, uh, of welfare, giving these organizations just enough money to keep them in business every year, and they can't invest in growth to reach population mm-hmm. levels of service. It is stuck at that program level, and where transformation comes is when you can really address what is the population level that you're dealing with. You know, I'd love to talk to Michael Moore. And, and get him to do uh, some kind of a special project on this issue because I think, you know, he some of the things that he's done in the past and the, and the things that he's put out there can be very controversial, but they're things that have to be said. And I don't think there's any accident that, you know, the, the so-called division that's going on in this country, you know, you hear people out there sitting there and trying to make it sound like the president is responsible for it. Yeah, he's he's responsible for it, not because he caused it, but because of who he is. And people don't want to talk about that. But, you know, now there are folks out there that uh, the whole idea of, of, of race and, and inequality and, and, and lack of an inclusive culture is now – on the for, on the forefront, we have an opportunity to do something about it. So mm-hmm. we can either sit there and contribute to the chatter, and 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 the yelling back and forth, or we can focus on the solutions. And it starts with educating these young people and preparing them for that next phase. Because right now they are being locked out of an opportunity to pursue the American dream because they're locked in to a, a circumstance where they may be born into and far too many of them are being locked up because you know we're disproportionately represented in the criminal justice system. So mm-hmm. what are we going to do to change that so that we're not talking about this 20 years from now? That's right. something else that right. breaks my heart that, you know, this has been a, a, something that, you know, this is not new conversation, but somebody needs to do something about it. And, well, I love, you know, been- and, I, and I'm trying to do all I can. Right. And we have um we're we're almost out of time and Lowell Perry Junior, oh my goodness, this is so good. So inspiring and you know, everyone should be raising their hand and says, Yes, I'm gonna join this movement because we are tired of watching and reading all the negative press about young people and you know, what yep. what's going on, their lives being wasted and that sort of thing. Lowell is the director of the Cleveland Central Promise neighborhood, a um former senior executive with Big Brothers, Big Sisters of America. He's a longtime advocate for children and families facing adver- adversity. You can follow him on Twitter at Lowell Perry Jr. And also you can follow uh, CLE underscore promise. That's the uh, Cleveland uh, promise. And you can also visit their website, clevelandpromiseneighborhood.org, 
where you can find out more information. And, and if you're in the Cleveland area, definitely join the movement. If you're in Detroit area, there's other areas. Detroit Public Schools, they need help. You can join and, and volunteer with that. But whatever it is, don't not do anything. I know that's probably wrong, but don't not no. do anything. You have to no. do something. So, yep. Lowell, thank you so much for joining us today. Is there anything else that you'd like to add before we close out the show today? And uh, Dr. Geneva just says thank you so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's a pleasure to be on here. And, you know, I, I do recall that there was a question about what I want my legacy to be uh, mm-hmm. when it's all mm-hmm. said, said and done. And, you know, I just want people to know that I'm a godly man who, who stood for something yeah. real. It was a good husband, father, and son, and that helped Mm -hmm. to really affect some change in the social profit sector to move us from this current mindset of transaction to one of transformation, one of solutions rather than Band-Aids where we're at. And you know what? Um, you know, the Lord has, has, has given me this passion and, and these ideas, and I just hope he continues to give me platforms like these to talk about it and try to inspire people to action. And you said it absolutely right. There are a lot of ways that people can be involved. The only option that we're not giving today, Pam, is to do nothing, because mm-hmm. if you do nothing, you are part of the problem. That's true. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Lowell Perry Jr., thank you so much for joining us today. What a pleasure. Thanks for tuning in to Dr. Geneva Speaks. Dr. Geneva Williams, an expert facilitator and leadership coach, lecturer, and keynote speaker. For more information on Dr. Geneva, visit her online at www.drgenevaspeaks.com. That's drgenevaspeaks.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.